enterprise rent-a-car, they have a good corporate structure, and they give you the tools to be your own boss. I like the idea of thinking of Quay Walker as an independent contractor at Edge Rusher. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. I know I love talking about the Brewers and I love the NBA. Big basketball guy, you know? I long for the days of the NBA lounge. I look forward to basketball season, of course. But I, I, like, we can all agree, right? There's nothing like opening night of the NFL. Last night was, oh, oh, it was incredible. It was fantastic. I was watching the highlights from last night's game while I was eating breakfast this morning because I had my laptop in front of me, hard-boiled eggs, uh, and a bagel. I was just munching down. I'm like, eh, should I listen to a podcast? Eh, let's watch the highlights from last night. Let's relive a little bit. And I found myself a couple of times while watching this, you know, 10-minute highlight video or whatever it is, thinking, this is so fun. I can't believe I can't believe football's back. I can't believe I'm watching this right now. I can't believe Josh Allen is good. And I can't believe the Bills are awesome. And they, and they went into L.A. and beat the Super Bowl defending or the Super Bowl champs or however you want to phrase it. You know what I mean? Like, this is just so fun. I love this. And we're going to have a full slate of games on Sunday and the Monday and Thursday. And we're back. It's just such a great feeling watching that opening night, that Thursday night game. Because you feel like you have the whole world in front of you, don't you? I mean, it feels like you're you're graduating college. It feels like school's getting let out for the summer. Like, you can just look out in front of you, and all you have is endless possibilities for teams and players and games, and you feel like it'll, it'll never be over. You feel like the NFL season will never end. It's just getting started. We have everything in front of us. And then, you know, summer ends. You go back to school, and before too long, we're going to be watching the Super Bowl, wondering where it all went. Let's just start, take a a moment of appreciation to start tonight's show and realize what what we're doing here, what we have in our hand. NFL football is back. What we're appreciating right now must be appreciated. It must be respected, right? It must be cherished because it goes quickly. But I love opening night just because it feels like we have the whole season in front of us and it'll never end and we're just getting started. And we are. But you know, it goes quickly. Before too long, we're going to be watching the Packers lose in the playoffs and wondering what happened, wondering where it all went. <laughs> this is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Happy Friday. I hope your week is wrapping up nicely. I hope you enjoyed Bills Rams last night. The Brewers getting a couple of impressive wins as well. Are the Brewers back? Probably not. If they sweep the Reds this weekend, we can chat next week. But I want to spend tonight... Talking about football, talking about the opener last night, and talking about Packers-Vikings coming up on Sunday. 608-796-2558 if you'd like to text or call the show. And you can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Coming up at 4.30, our friend Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, will join us to talk Packers-Vikings, pick his brain on what he thinks about the Packers, and get the latest, what's going on with his team, the Vikings. And maybe we can get a prediction out of him. I have a couple of questions like, what is his thing that he hates most about the Packers? You see the video K-Fan put out where they all took turns t- talking about what they hated most about the Packers. And most of them were like, the colors suck. It's like, wow, damn, you really, really got us. Really, really got, got on that one. Yeah. Green and yellow. What a stupid color combination. Whatever. Okay. Sick. If you didn't see the video, I have the audio. I'll play it for you. And I want to ask Matthew, if you had to say your least favorite thing about the Packers, what would it be? 
what he'll probably say is, well, there's this radio host in Wisconsin that asks me to come on every time the Packers and Vikings play. <laughs> that's my that's my least favorite thing. And then I then I'll think, ah, okay. I, I wish I wouldn't have asked. So Matthew Caller is going to be here at 430. I'm not 100% sure if we're going to do this or not. I, I was filling in on the Bill Michael show earlier today with Ben Kenny, and we talked with JT O'Sullivan, who used to play quarterback for the Packers, a couple other teams, journeyman, backup, but a brilliant guy. And now runs the quarterback school. He does film breakdowns and these awesome YouTube videos where he basically just explains football, especially from a quarterback perspective. And we had him on at about 11.15. And if it gets to about 5.30 and it feels like I've said my piece and the phones aren't ringing off the hook, then I'll play that interview for you. Now, if we get off and running and we're talking about this, that, the other thing, then I'll, I'll just... I'll just leave that out and you can go find that in the podcast of today's Bill Michael show. But if it feels like we've said our piece uh, and the phone's not ringing off the hook, then maybe we'll check in and we'll listen to that conversation with JT O'Sullivan because it's one that I really enjoyed. So that's what's coming up. Matthew Collar at 430 TBD at 530. Perhaps we'll check in and hear a little bit from JT O'Sullivan last night. Let's talk about opening night. The bills winning 31 to 10 surprising outcome. Wow. Super Bowl champs. Ever since they've started opening the season with the Super Bowl champs, I think they've won like 14 of 16 or 16 of 20, something like that. This is normally the Rams game to win, as it was the Buccaneers game to win last year against the Cowboys, and as it was the Packers to win in 2011 against the Saints, right? Typically, things just go the way of the defending champ. The banner's up, get the rings out, and then they win week one, and they start their title defense by going 1-0. Bills turn the ball over four times. Still beat the Rams by 21 points. Surprising. What happened? What could have caused this? And I heard a lot of theories today. And I heard a lot of takes. I was just listening to Cowherd's opening rant right before the show started. Maybe it's Matthew Stafford's arm injury. Could that be it? Maybe his elbow is acting up. Maybe, uh, oh, I, I, I don't know what it is. Cam Akers is banged up. Cam, Cam, that's it. Cam Akers is injured. That's why he barely played. And that's why the Rams were pounded into oblivion at home by Josh Allen and company. Well, Allen Robinson is new. You know, he hasn't had time to acclimate himself to the offense. Hasn't had time to work his way in yet. Uh, Von Miller, the, the loss of Von Miller, that was it. That that must be what happened. The loss of Von Miller, especially going to the Bills. I mean, you could see the absence of Von Miller on that Rams defensive front. Or maybe the offensive line of the Rams. Andrew Withworth re- retiring. Oh my goodness. Team's in such a bad spot. Andrew Noteboom is, is not the all-pro and the consummate pro, is that the word? I almost said consulate, but I know that's not it. Andrew Noteboom is not Andrew Whitworth, or Joe Noteboom, whatever his name is. Noteboom, he's not Whitworth. All these different reasons as to what went wrong. Maybe Sean McVay should have played his guys during the preseason. Maybe that's what went wrong. They came in, and or maybe a Super Bowl hangover. Maybe that was the issue, right? All these theories as to why last night went the way that it did. Uh, I know. I know why last night went the way that it did. It's none of those reasons. Here, let me let me share with you. Did a lot of research today, thought about this long and hard. I know why the Buffalo Bills won 21 uh, points or won by 21 points, 31 to 10 last night. Uh, Matthew Stafford is not that good. <laughs> He's not that guy. And Josh Allen is. It's like MVP Cam Newton. If MVP Cam Newton was a really accurate and crisp passer, an efficient passer, Matthew Stafford is not that. Matthew Stafford is a lot of arm talent and is capable of making some unbelievable throws. He will also make a bunch of bad throws. He will make a bunch of boneheaded throws. He will hold the ball way too long and take a sack. That's Matthew Stafford. 
a Super Bowl last year. Absolutely. But last night watching this game is the Bills are just pounding the Rams into the sand, into the turf, and Stafford looks flummoxed, and Sean McVay is pacing around on the sideline wondering what's going on, what's wrong. As I'm watching this last night, I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little angry, getting a little frustrated, thinking about how the playoffs went last year. Because I'm thinking, okay, if the Packers could just punt block and could just block a field goal, they beat the Niners last year, and they almost assuredly beat the Rams at Lambeau Field because the Rams weren't that good. If Jaquaski Tar for the 49ers just catches that game-ending interception that was thrown tailor-made right into his chest, the Rams don't make the Super Bowl. And look, if the Bengals had some semblance of an offensive line, the Bengals probably win the Super Bowl. I get it. Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl. But if you play out last year's postseason 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 100 times, your outcome is probably going to be Green Bay makes the Super Bowl 50 to 60% of the time. San Francisco makes the Super Bowl 20% of the time. Maybe the Bucks give them 10%, give the Rams 10%. If you were to blow it up and run the simulation 100 times, the Packers are making the Super Bowl, the Bucks, the Niners are making the Super Bowl a lot, and the Rams, their path is a little bit tougher. Their path to the Super Bowl last year was paved with a little bit of luck. A little bit of bad special teams by the Packers, a dropped interception by the Niners, and an offensive line that just straight up wasn't prepared to handle Von Miller, uh, Aaron Donald, of course. I almost said Andy Dalton. <laughs> I knew that wasn't right. So he was getting frustrated last night. It's like, oh, my God. The universe broke in such a way that allowed Matthew Stafford and the Rams to win a Super Bowl when Matthew Stafford really isn't that guy. And the Rams really aren't that team. And then all of the offseason, I had to hear about how Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer. He should be a Hall of Famer. And he was that guy in Detroit all along. He just never had any help. No, I, look, I watched Lions games for 10, 12 years, his whole time in Detroit. I watched a lot of Packers-Lions games. I watched a lot of Vikings-Lions games. Matthew Stafford was the same guy in Detroit that he is now. Now the supporting cast is better, sure. But, like... Matthew Stafford was not some all-pro quarterback being wasted away in Detroit. He was a, a fine quarterback, a good quarterback, a slightly above-average quarterback. But I, I hate when some player finally gets a win, and then the whole sports world just wants to rewrite the book on that guy. Andrew Wiggins is a great example. Andrew Wiggins won a title with the Warriors, and everyone's like, everyone was a hater for years in Minnesota. No, 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 we, no, we weren't. He was this guy with the Warriors for years in Minnesota, he was really underwhelming. And he didn't fight for rebounds. And he didn't get those hustle, gritty plays. And he was a number one overall pick that never really lived up to the billing. And yes, he changed scenery, and he got put in an amazing situation. But that doesn't mean we were all wrong about Andrew Wiggins. That doesn't mean that we were wrong about him in Minnesota. Just like it doesn't mean that we were wrong about Matthew Stafford when he was in Detroit. And I just it just bothers me. I'm a big history guy. I love history. I'm a storyteller. I like American history. Today, earlier today on the Bill Michaels Show, we were talking about shipwrecks. I had a listener text in, 608-796-2558. It was Mike in Lacrosse who texted in the Great Lakes Shipwreck Museum in Whitefish Point. I want to go up there. I think that would be awesome. It's by Salt St. Marie. I love history. I love storytelling. But I want to be accurate in the stories that we tell. I want to be accurate in the history that we record. The, the, the 
edited history this offseason of Matthew Stafford and the Rams is just wild. Like, I had to listen to the Peter Schragers of the world and the Colin Cowherds of the world tell me, Rams this, Rams that, they're they're light years ahead, they do this, that, and the other thing. It's like, look, uh, if the Packers could just block an extra point, the Rams are probably a second round out, third round out, maybe. They don't make the Super Bowl. Okay, if Joukowsky Tart catches that interception, they don't make the Super Bowl. Right, you don't get to play the results and then retroactively say, this was correct, this was right, this was smart, this was sharp, this was an effective use of resources, this was a good contract, Sean McVay's a genius, Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer, and you were all wrong the whole time. That's not how that works. That's not how that works. Now, the Bills, God, I love this Bills team. It's a team that has been existed my whole life, right? They've been around, obviously, for a long time. They're a franchise that's rich in history. Not a lot of success, but a lot of history. And I went years of my life, especially when I was younger, never thinking about the Buffalo Bills. Because why would I? They were irrelevant. And they were in the AFC. And they still are. But now the Bills are awesome. And Josh Allen is awesome. And he's really fun to watch. And it's just, oh, it's great. And I want to talk about the Bills' defensive line. Some of the things they did up there. They've been building that position for years. And it's really paying off, as we saw last night. Oh, I love this Bills team. And I'm glad that they came in and they smashed the Rams last night. Because the Rams bother me. And the way that the season ended last year was a miracle that the Rams got as far as they did. And then I had to be lectured on it. We had to be lectured that the Rams are just superior in every way. They're superior to everyone. It's like, come on. No, they're not. They had a couple lucky breaks. That's the Rams. It's Matthew Stafford. Right? And people are wondering, oh, last night his elbow must have been. No, no, no. That's Matthew Stafford. You watched Matthew Stafford last night. That's always been Matthew Stafford. It always will be. Doesn't mean he can't have a couple lucky games and make a couple big throws. If a couple big games and a couple lucky throws is all that it takes. And when the Packers are eliminated because of special teams and the Niners are going to drop picks and the Bengals make the Super Bowl instead of the Chiefs or the Bills and they don't have an offensive line, it's going to happen. Let's go to the phones. 608-796-2558. We got Nick. What's going on, Nick? Hey, bud. How you doing? I am doing swell. Happy Friday. Yeah, you too, man. Uh, I wasn't going to talk on this, but I will say... I slightly disagree with you only because the position of quarterback is slow is so glorified in the NFL mm-hmm. as opposed to like the position of safety where Leroy Butler had to wait so long to get into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. If Eli Manning's getting into the Hall of Fame, which he is, I think Matt Stafford should be in. The quarterback <laughs> is just such a glorified position when it comes to that aspect of the Hall of Fame voting. So is, I agree is, with what you're saying, though, about the Rams. Is Russell Wilson in there, then? Oh, yeah. I bet you uh. Russell Wilson gets in the Hall of Fame. And I, I, it's not, I'm not saying I agree, but you have to uh, – maybe you don't have to. Do you see my point? Yeah. In the NFL, the quarterback is such a glorified position that even a monicum of success gets you consideration. Yes. I think that it should be judged relative to other quarterbacks, though. Like – I. I don't think Matthew Stafford should be put into the Hall of Fame because, well, he was more important than a safety or alignment. No, I want Matthew Stafford judged against his peers. So Stafford should be judged against Rodgers. He should be judged against Brady. You could put Breeze in there. Manning was around for a little bit. Like, I want him judged not against other positions and other players from different eras. I want him judged against his peers. And Matthew Stafford is what? At best, the fifth, sixth, seventh best quarterback at the time that he's in the league behind Rodgers and Brady, and I don't love Drew Brees, but you got to give him his flowers too. Like, I I don't know. I think at some point to be a Hall of Famer, you need to win an MVP. You need to be at any point the best at your position or close to it in the league. And Stafford's just never been that guy. 
sustained success. No, I agree. And it's hard, it's hard to gauge him in Detroit because they are consistently such a dumpster fire. Maybe that's changing around, but it's tough to gauge. All I'm saying, my only point was that it's, it's, I feel like it's a lot easier to make it into the hall of fame with a small amount of success. If you play quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I, I wanted to I wanted to call in actually because I was listening to you earlier, you and Ben Kenny, when you were hosting the uh, <coughs> Thrill Michael yeah, show. Yeah, the Thrill Michael show. <laughs> Hell yeah! I loved your setup of the Kyle Brandt, oh. where you were going on this <laughs> diatribe of. Oh, boy, if I built up my success for millions and millions of viewers in a show, I didn't know where you were going. What a great punchline, dropping that in, figuring out that Kyle Brandt saying Kirk Cousins should be MVP. I didn't know where you were going when you hit the post. (laughs) I cracked up. That was good stuff, man. Look, I just can't imagine working for decades to build a platform and to finally make my way on TV and then to get on a big TV show. And then it's like, you know what I'm going to do with this platform? I'm going to go on a really angry rant about how Kirk Cousins is going to win MVP. <laughs> like, why would you do that? I, I just, yeah, yeah. whatever. I appreciate that. That was good. <laughs> that was good. And uh, I guess since I called in, that was the only thing I was going to call in about about two hours ago. And then I started listening to you talking about Stafford. So I did that. And then the one other thing about that K fan little video that I'm sure you're going to play later, so I'm sorry to steal your thunder, no, but just the the complex of the Vikings fans is such an inferiority complex, and I don't... I understand it, because I feel like the Vikings fans to Packers fans inferiority complex is very, very similar to Brewers fans to Cardinals fans. Oh, like, yeah. I think Brewers fans do have an inferiority complex, and that's... If I were to take a dig... As a Vikings fan, at, at Packers fans, I would say they think that they're Cardinals fans. You know, that's about mm. as good as you can get, as deep as you can get at them. The the takes that they had on their video that I'm sure you'll share later, they were weak, man. That that made them all look bad. They're just soft. and I'll just get off the line now. I'll let you take your show back over. Appreciate go. it, Grant, and have a good weekend and enjoy. A full slate of football this weekend. Yeah, you as well. Thank you, Nick. And I appreciate you listening earlier with Ben Kenny as well. The Thrill Michaels Show. God, I love that. Yeah, let's listen to the K-Fan thing coming up next. So K-Fan, they put together a video where they all shared what they hate most about the Packers. And this video was created to irk Packers fans and to get them to share it. And I understand that's what I'm about to do. I'll play the game. It's fun. I just, I, I agree with you. It's an inferiority complex. Brewers definitely have an inferiority complex. Like every time the Cardinals win an unlikely game, Brewers fans go on Twitter. Devil magic. They have devil magic. No, no, no. You know what they have? They have some good pitchers that they traded for at the deadline to acquire or some talent to, to fix a need. That's what they did. That's not devil magic. That's just common sense, which is uh, which is what the Brewers seem to lack. Remember uh, what our, our brother in Christ, Bart Winkler, said the day of the trade deadline when they got rid of Hater. This is a garbage trade made by a garbage organization. Yeah, there you go. There you have it. Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, going to join us in about 10 or 12 minutes. Let's check in on this K-Fan thing. Let's let's give that a listen. Coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Matthew Collar, Purple Insider will be here about 10 minutes. Preview Packers-Vikings. And I want his thoughts on Rams-Bills, too. Last night's game was awesome. 
for those of us Stafford haters out there. And hey, I take that back. Not haters, just truthers, just people who objectively see football. I was lectured for months about how the Bears, was, or the not the Bears, the Rams are so superior to the other teams. They've found out you don't need draft picks, and Matthew Stafford is a Hall of Famer. No, he's not. No, he's not. Some of the, I swear. It's the same with Russell Wilson. It's like, I don't want that guy in the Hall of Fame. He doesn't even have an MVP vote. Yeah, but he was a good quarterback. Yeah, so was Rodgers, Brady, Peyton Manning. You know, all of those other guys that played at the same time? What happened to getting compared to your peers, judged relative to your peers, the people you played with? I might be an okay radio host, but what if everyone else in Wisconsin is way better than me? Even if I'm an okay radio, well, that doesn't doesn't mean anything because I'm not as good as my peer. We're all judged against our peers. That's how it works. Uh, Peers, I suppose, kind of, not really. KFAN, KFAN, as the the Rubes call it. I think Rube, isn't that a KFAN thing? Well, KFAN, we know them. They're the Vikings flagship. Paul Allen, Common Man, Power Trip Morning Show. Uh, They made a video, a TikTok, I believe, where they all went around and said the thing they hate most about the Packers. And I understand that this video was created to drive interaction and to troll Packers fans. And I'm playing the game. I know. That's fine. Uh, Here's the video and some of the reasons they hate the Packers. That color green reminds me of the vomit emoji. You have the worst colors in all of professional sports. It's like some awful combination of hangover vomit and hangover explosive diarrhea. Adults think it's cool to wear cheese wedges on their head. Walk in your own town, airports, it's embarrassing. That annoying fan base. Go Pack Go chant is annoying. There's not enough whiteboard here to even get into that. There are people that spend money on a piece of paper to call themselves owners. Egotistical quarterbacks. Man, Aaron Rodgers, hard to like that guy. It's neither green nor a bay. Discuss. Just an absolute hottie wearing a Vikings jersey, and she's there with a Packer fan. He's not that attractive. But they have better cheese curds than we do. What I hate about the Packers, everything. It's the Packers. What's to like? The Green Bay Packers suck. Uh, All that is fair. Um, The hating the owners thing, look, it's just not a battle you're going to win. When you are someone like me that owns an NFL franchise, I don't worry about the complaints of the poor people who don't. I am on a plane of existence and being with Jerry Jones and Stan Kroenke, my coworker. You might have seen him up in the owner's suite last night at the game. Not the Haslam's. I don't really get along with them. You know, Mark Davis. These are my contemporaries. So you, radio host on KFAN, saying, oh, spending money to be an NFL. Well, guess what? I'm an NFL owner. I don't have to listen to what you say. You're just a fan. Common, common fan. I'm an owner. I love, I love being that guy. It's just too much. It's too much fun. Imagine, imagine making a video about what you hate about the Packers and you're like, the colors. Yeah, go green. That'll, that'll play. People hate the color green. Lame. I Common man, he said there's not enough room on this whiteboard. If you go watch the video, uh, He's standing next to a picture of Vince Lombardi. <laughs> it's framed in the background, which is just, you know, maybe stand somewhere else to record that video. If I had to say one thing that I don't like, I would just say Aaron Rodgers. He's really cocky. And I don't like him. All of my best friends, I grew up very close to Minnesota. I have a couple of my closest friends are Vikings fans. And one in particular, one of my best fishing buddies, he's like, I cannot stand Aaron Rodgers. I hate that guy. And I'm like, look, if I were you, I would hate him too. 
However, he's my guy, so I have to defend him. And technically, I own the team that he plays for. Uh, so I'm a PR arm of the team. I'm a PR arm for the Packers, uh, and I'm not about to slander my boy, whether it be in social interactions or on my radio show. Find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I just tweeted out the very juicy news. Our friend Matthew Collar, Purple Insider, is going to join us in about five minutes here to talk Packers-Vikings, preview the game, and maybe I'll ask him, what do you hate about the Green Bay Packers? He'll probably say nothing. He's very he's not like me. You know, he'll probably say, oh, I'm just a journalist. I'm objective. I'm not, uh, but Matthew Collar is. That's why he's a great guy to preview Packers-Vikings. Week one, he'll join us next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, JT O'Sullivan joined the Bill Michaels show earlier today. Ben Kenny and I were filling in. I recorded that interview and I saved it. We might get to it at 5.30. Now, the caller interaction so far tonight has been awesome. And if that continues, then I'll just stick that interview in the podcast and you can listen to it if you want. But if at 5.30 it seems like we've covered all the bases, talked to all the callers, then maybe J.T. O'Sullivan, former Packers quarterback. He's at the quarterback school. We just talked about some quarterback stuff, NFL and college. Graham Mertz's name was mentioned up there with Caleb Williams, Bryce Young, and others. So that's coming up in the second half of the show. Right now, Matthew Collar joining us. Always very glad to get him on. He's a Purple Insider. Just launched through Purple Insider. Hot routes. So not just talking about the Vikings. Talking about other teams, other games as well. Matthew, how are you? How's your summer been? Uh, it's, it's been long. Uh, waiting for this week one, man. I mean, it, you know, when you, you get a new coach, there's a lot of different angles to talk about. Yeah. Uh, you know, throughout the summer of putting in a new offense and everything else. But, you know, with... The NFL deciding, a lot of teams deciding that the preseason is absolutely meaningless mm-hmm. and everyone that they're playing is getting cut. Um, it makes it harder for takes. I mean, I think it's a smarter strategy, but it does make it harder to uh, throw out a bunch of opinions based on fake games that none of the real players are playing in. See, what you got to do is do what sports radio does, is just ask, should the starters play Every year, knowing darn well they won't, and there's no way they will, <laughs> yeah. but you, it's just a debate you can go back to. It's a well that uh, that never runs dry. We have Packers-Vikings finally, week one on Sunday. I have to ask you, before we dig into the X's and O's of this game, because we were just playing that clip from K-Fan. It's got Packers fans all fired up about uh, what they hate most about the Packers. If you would have been included in a TikTok like that, you had to give your take on the thing you hate most about the Packers. Do, do you have one? Do you have something that, that really gets your gets your engine running? Yeah, that's not really that's not really my bag. I mean, I kind of, I mean, I really like, you know, I do a podcast and articles and my own website and everything now. But I really came up as like a traditional journalist. I have a journalism degree and I worked in sports radio in two different markets. And so I've always sort of covered the team as in not like in the way that fans look at it. So. Yeah. The Packers are a team with different color laundry to me, right? So, you know, I mean, I I do think it's interesting the dynamics between the fan bases for sure where the Minnesota fans absolutely have little brother syndrome toward Green Bay Packers fans. And uh, the Packers think about the Vikings probably a lot less than the Vikings think about the Packers, you know. Uh, So, you know, there is some of that. Uh, Wisconsin decidedly has better cheese 
but uh, I would take living in Minneapolis over anywhere in the state of Wisconsin. So, you know, there's a, there's some differences there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what I figured you were going to say. I also, in the back of my mind, was a little worried that you were going to say, well, the thing that I hate about the Packers is every time they play my Vikings, this annoying guy in Wisconsin asked me to come on his radio show, and it's a huge pain <laughs> in the butt. So I was, I was kind of worried that you were going to say that. Okay, uh, there's a couple of factors of this game. I'm trying to, to weigh them. So the, the Vikings have a new coach, new offensive system. There's a lot of newness. And I think it'll certainly be an improvement from Zimmer. I think Ty Dunn and, and what he uh, kind of chronicled in his piece at Go Long made it really clear, like, yeah, Zimmer and the guys didn't get along, but the, the environment just started to get really crummy. So I have no doubt that O'Connell is an upgrade, but I don't know how that plays in week one. That takes time. We like Lafleur, but that offense barely did anything week one in 19 against the Bears. So we have the new coach angle. We have the Packers all new wide receivers effectively. And Al Lazard listed as doubtful today. So there's that factor Packers injured on the offensive line. There's that factor of all of the factors that are kind of swirling around this game. Which one are you locking in on and which one do you think will impact the result of this game most? Yeah. I mean, I think number one is I really have no idea what Kevin O'Connell is as a coach. Sure. Um, I certainly was around Mike Zimmer a lot, spent <laughs> a lot of my adult life around Mike Zimmer, and yeah. uh, I think I had a really good understanding. I think that Aaron Rodgers had a ton of respect for Mike Zimmer and how good he was at dialing up defenses, and the Vikings honestly got a lot of very big wins against the Packers and, and got their tails whooped a few times, too, uh, along the uh, Mike Zimmer era. So I think that what we always knew, though, is that it was going to be a battle. Right, that like LaFleur and Zimmer were going to uh, play a chess game against each other. Rodgers was going to make some throws you couldn't believe. The Vikings defense was going to sack them a couple of times or cause them to be uncomfortable. And then, you know, Vikings receivers were going to make some plays. And uh, Kirk has had great games against the Packers. He's had terrible games against the Packers. So you never really know which version of Kirk Cousins is going to show up either. Uh, but with you know this particular offense that Kevin O'Connell's putting in and his first time actually coaching – I really don't know because the wide receivers have been talking about how complicated the offense is and how hmm. it was kind of a, a long summer for them learning this completely new offense. And uh, the, the verbiage works differently. And, uh, the you know, the receivers in the old Kubiak offense, you know, they were asked to just run the routes they were told to run. But now there's a lot of choices that are involved and reads that are involved, which can lead to people not being on the same page. And, you know, if you go back to 2018, at the end of the 2018 season, the Vikings melt down and Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen are on the sideline yelling at each other about a round. And, and we've, we haven't seen any yelling matches, but we certainly have seen a lot of conversations, way more than I've ever seen in training camp, where it's sure. Cousins having a bad rep, going over to the receivers, saying, what did you see on that? And Cousins threw a lot of interceptions and had a lot of uh, difficult days in camp. So I think that that's the number one to me is, you know, how prepared they are as an offense, how on the same page they can be. I'm sure the opening script is going to be ready, but as the game goes along, what is that going to look like? And how does Kevin O'Connell manage the play calling and the clock and the team all at once for somebody who's never done it before? I think uh, that's a really tall task. Well, and even if I think, again, he'll be an upgrade over Zimmer just because it, it had gone sour uh, based on what I read. And I'm sure you know all about that, too. It just might take a little time. And that process can sometimes take a little bit. Again, we love LaFleur. It took basically a year for that offense to look different and to look new and to really get clicking the way that we know it It kind of clicks now. I'm curious about Zimmer, just because you know probably as well as anyone. 
I remember not that long ago, I don't know, maybe two or three years, reading a piece. It might have been from Ty Dunn where Chad Greenway was quoted and it might have been Brian Robinson. And, and there was, it seemed, the sect of players that really liked Zimmer, liked how he was no BS and liked how he would get after you and really respected him. And I think it was Greenway and it might have been Brian Robinson. I'm not sure. And it it seemed like Zimmer had his own thing and that it worked for the most part. Did it go south? Did it get worse? Or did some of those players that really liked Zimmer and the way that he did things kind of move on and then this next wave of players just really didn't jive with him? How, what came to be and how did this come to a head with Zimmer? I'm curious. Yeah, I don't. I think that with Zimmer, I mean, one thing was uh, that usually coaches who burn hot like he does kind of wear out their welcome quick even sure. if they have some success. And for him to have longevity, it seemed like every time that it was just about to go south, they, they bounced back. And one of the reasons is, is that Mike Zimmer is a really darn good football coach. Now, that doesn't mean that he treated people the right way. Uh, it doesn't mean that the culture was great. It doesn't mean that he and the GM were on the same page or that he supported his quarterback or many, many other problems. Mike Zimmer is not uh, right now unemployed in the NFL because he didn't know football. I mean, it's, this isn't like a Joe Judge or an Urban Meyer or something where the guy was – was clueless. I think that what happened was, you know, when they won, and Zimmer's being a hard ass was like sort of endearing, like, oh, yeah, well, he's pushing everybody to the max. Yeah. But every time they didn't win, it was very easy to be like, oh, it's the bad man treating us badly. That's why we're losing. And, and when they got to the end of last year, I, I will admit, like, I, I defend Zimmer's football acumen. I don't defend his actions at the end of last year where he's dunking on Kellen Mond for no reason. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, all, sor- all sorts of things. Like, the atmosphere inside the locker room is a complete disaster. Um, so, so not any of that. But as far as how well he schemed, how well he evaluated players. In fact, you know, the craziest thing to me is, this idea that Zimmer held back Kirk Cousins, I pull up the stat sheet. Tell me where. Tell me where. He's had three best seasons of his career the last three years. Yeah. How exactly has he held back Kirk Cousins? I mean, it's it, you know some of the narratives kind of got written after the fact because he mistreated a lot of the players, because he didn't respect the veterans enough, because he didn't listen to them enough. And then when Zimmer got fired, veteran players went to ownership. We know this. They've told us this. And they told them what, that what we want as veteran players, we want to do better from the health side. We want to do better from the analytics side. We want to do better from the culture side. Yeah. But nobody said the man couldn't dial up an X's and O. You know? yeah. So I think it's, it's been very interesting to see the narratives really kind of take on a life of their own. And a few different times I've, I've felt myself either talking a lot about it or writing. Like, let's remember what the right things are to criticize Mike Zimmer for, Mm -hmm. because if Kevin O'Connell can't scheme like Zimmer and can't figure out an offense to use Cousins like Zimmer, he's going to lose, even if he's nicer to players. (laughs) Like, it's just a fact. Well, and I, you know, not to make this a Kirk Cousins thing, because we could talk about Cousins till we're blue in the face. I'm a little leery when somebody tells me I'm high on the Vikings this year because Cousins finally has a guy that will get him and that will coach him up. I'm like, look, Kirk Cousins has been in the league for a long time. Doesn't seem like it. He's been around for a long time. He's had a lot of different OCs, a lot of different head coaches. A lot of smart minds have been at the helm of a Kirk Cousins offense. And, you know, the results have all kind of been the same. That's not to say that Cousins sucks, but I just don't know that there's this upper gear that hasn't been tapped into that O'Connell's finally going to tap into. And again, I, I'm a Packers fan, so obviously I want my team to continue to beat the Vikings and, and have success in the division, but I'm just a little leery when some other broadcaster says, 
The Vikings are my surprise team, and I think it's going to be because O'Connell finally gives Kirk Cousins what he needs. I, I don't know. I just have a hard time buying that. Well, I mean, I, I've got the stat sheet right here in front of me with pro football focus. I mean, Cousins was their fifth-highest-graded quarterback last year. In terms of traditional quarterback rating, he was fourth-highest in the NFL. I mean, if there's an extra gear, then he will be the MVP. I mean, look, Kirk Cousins, to me, is just always going to be Kirk Cousins. Yeah. He's worked with Sean McVay. He's worked with Kevin Stefanski. He's worked with Gary Kubiak. He has had Deshaun Jackson, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. I mean, I don't know what exactly someone else can do for Kirk Cousins to make him different. And the kryptonite has always been the kryptonite. And nobody knows this better than the Green Bay Packers. When you pressure Kirk Cousins, he has one of the biggest drop-offs in the entire NFL in terms of yards per pass attempt when you pressure Cousins. He goes from a great, spectacular quarterback to one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I've got this in front of me, too. I just happen to be sitting in front of my computer. Only Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson had worse yards per attempt when pressured than Kirk Cousins because he's not a great athlete, because he can't go off schedule. Like, these are things that you can't scheme and you can't fix, right? So the question is, what does the schedule look like of defenses? Are these defenses going to pressure Kirk Cousins or not, right? Like, how healthy does your team stay? Because... You know, their defenses the last couple of years started out week one and they looked pretty good. But then by, you know, week seven or eight, they had some injuries and all of a sudden they needed their quarterback to rise to the challenge. Uh, Adam Thielen got hurt last year and Kirk Cousins played his worst football. And, you know, the situational stuff is absolutely real. I looked this up yesterday, 29th when it comes to throwing past the sticks, like far too many Alex Smith type dinks and dunks like these things i just have a tough time believing that they're going to change but that doesn't mean that they can't make the playoffs they have before or win a playoff game it's just can you go to a different place that they ever went before with zimmer the best offense they've had since kirk cousins got here was the least amount of yards he threw for in a single season i don't think that's a coincidence yeah i I agree and i I think you said it when you said kirk cousins is kirk cousins he always has been he always will be that doesn't mean you can't win with him but I, I just, there's people who are always looking for more. And I like, what other quarterback is 12 years into his career and we're looking for more other than Stafford, you know, <laughs> who is who is with the Lions. Uh, but Stafford might be in some ways a, a interesting comparison to Cousins and how maybe he's always kind of been the same guy. And like just switching teams, changing situations can lead to different results, obviously. Matthew Collar, two tweets you had last night. Well, one last night, one today. I, I just, I want to talk about them really briefly before you go. Number one, I love this tweet last night. I don't really know what to say about it, but I love it. You tweeted, the quarterback wins aren't a stat crowd is really going to have to explain how the Bills missed the playoffs for 20 straight seasons with bad quarterbacks and then got Josh Allen and look like this every year. I don't, I don't know what to add to that, but I love it. And I love that tweet when you sent it out last night. Well, I appreciate that. And, and look, that's, that's not anti-analytics. Like, I just quoted a bunch of pro football-focused stats. Like, I, I, I love to use data and numbers, mm-hmm. but one of the weirdest things is, like, you're a baseball guy. Baseball pitcher wins are hilariously stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's just it's Oh, yeah. Uh, you, you could give up 15 runs and get the win. Well, that's, I mean, in a single game uh, or a single season, we saw Case Keenum have a great season for the Vikings. Um, yeah, like you could have a quarterback pop up or you could win a game where your quarterback plays bad. But over a big sample size, it's quarterbacks that dominate this league. If your quarterback gets hurt, for example, if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, what's the win-loss in Vegas? Five? Five and a half? Yeah. What, what, happens, what happens if, uh, 
you know, like Devontae Adams leaves. What's the win-loss difference in Vegas? One? Yeah. one? Like, it goes down by one? Like, that just tells you, like, it is the most valuable position by far. Everything in a fair. I don't have to tell Packers fans this. Yeah. It's the most, like, you've, you've changed players 100,000 times in the last 30 years, and you win 13 games every year. It's like, I'm sick of pe- these people trying to sound super uh, intellectual by being like, oh, it's, you know... The whole team, like, okay, it is, of Duh. course. Yeah, yeah, but it, it, it is. But over a big sample size, if Kirk Cousins is 100 games in his career and he wins half the games, it's probably who he is. And you need an outlier season to go anywhere, and that's why you don't pay him. Like, that's what it all yeah. ties back into. You pay Rodgers, you pay Allen, you pay Mahomes, because every year you're going to win 12 games and give yourself a chance. It's just been one of the weirder things, I think, that football – analytics people have come up with is that like we shouldn't connect how a quarterback you know wins wins and loses um or the team wins and loses to the quarterback play because that's what's going to determine it my uh conclusion on this and has been for a while quarterback wins aren't really a stat but they they kind of are like they kind of need to be a a little like yeah most of the time it's definitely a factor yeah i get that they're extenuating circumstances i think all football fans do oh we're not dumb today by the way you tweeted and i love this uh t-pain's playing halftime this weekend and you tweeted his tiny desk and said, mm-hmm. give T-Pain his respect. Damn right, Matthew Collar. T-Pain came to play at lacrosse my freshman year. He's fantastic. Yeah, I know he auto-tunes. Great, yeah. He's fantastic. Great singer. Yes. He's an actually great singer. Real quick, though, on that wins and losses, Peyton Manning won 12 games or more with Indianapolis nine times. Yeah. The Minnesota Vikings have won 12 games or more twice since 1998. Oh. Do you think that has anything to do with the quarterback, or is that just a, you know, random? <laughs> Quarterbacks do win games, Grow Matthew. Up. That's that's how it works. That is, yeah. And I, I know, like, the Packers losing the playoffs, and then we hide behind quarterback wins aren't a stat. And they're extenuating circumstances, obviously, but I, I get your frustration for sure. And I love that tweet last night. Matthew Collar, I've kept you too long. Purple Insider, check out his new project. It's called Hot Routes. It's really, really good. There's a video component. Find him on Twitter, at Matthew Collar. Enjoy the game this weekend. Truly, genuinely, every time you come on, I learn something, and I have a great time. Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, sure thing. Take care, man. Have a good one. That is Matthew Collar, Purple Insider. Find all his stuff on Twitter. Go consume his content. It's very good. Everyone tweet hashtag thank you, Matthew Collar. <laughs> all right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up the first hour of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show we thank matthew caller purple insider find his work he's on twitter at matthew caller packers vikings this sunday just doing a little previewing we're also talking about last night's game bills just laying the smack down on the bills turn the ball over four times and won by 21 points <laughs> that's nuts on the road too when you play against the defending super bowl champs on the first night of the season you need to beat them, and then you need to beat them a little extra. Because typically what we've seen on that first night, and it's played out in the result, it's just the champs night. Everything goes their way. Every bounce of the ball, every call, every those it's their night. It's supposed to be their night. So the Bills not only had to beat the Rams, but they also had to overcome it being the Rams night, and they did by a mile. A lot of people were weirded out last night and today. Cam Akers barely even played. I cannot imagine starting Cam Akers in fantasy and then being flummoxed when he 
barely gets any touches last night. And a lot of people are talking today, oh, the Rams got to do a better job running the ball, and they need to get Cam Akers involved. Eh. So Sean McVay was asked this afternoon about this, and he said that Cam Akers has to maximize his opportunities when he gets into the game, which is also him saying, yeah, he's our third best running back or so. Uh, he's got to earn the right to get more carries, which I would agree with. And a lot of people, I saw Florio this morning. I was watching some pro football talk just because I was consuming any and all NFL content I could find today. Good morning, football, pro football talk, cowherd, whoever's on ESPN or whatever. I'm just consuming YouTube videos. I'm eating it all up. And then, of course, I was on the Bill Michaels show today with Ben Kenny, too. And I was just trying to take in all the takes, hear all the opinions. And there are way too many people saying, I mean, predictably, that the Rams got away from the run early. They didn't give Cam Akers the ball enough. It's like, you guys, Cam Akers in the building. If Cam Akers was the secret weapon, the Rams would use him. McVay would use him. It was like with the Vikings and Kellen Mond. They're like, why do they not play Kellen Mond? I don't know. Zimmer's kind of a tool, it sounds like. But he watches Kellen Mond every day. You think if Kellen Mond was any good, he'd put him in the game over Sean Mannion? No, probably not. (laughs) Probably almost assuredly not. This is funny today. It's the reaction. Anytime a team loses in a big primetime game, Half of the football coverage media sphere just says, well, they got away from the run early on. Well, you know, when you're down 14 points, 10 points in the second half, you don't you don't always have time to run the ball. Well, let's be real about that. They, they got away from the run game. They let the game get away from them. Mm. No, I think it was more Matthew Stafford not playing very well and no one other than Cooper Cup being worth a darn on offense at all. Is Allen Robinson still good? Is he washed? What's his deal? I'm so glad I could have drafted him in my fantasy draft the other night and I passed on him and I'm so glad I did. Also, I started Dawson Knox last night. He got one catch on two targets. So whatever. Let's take a break. We'll keep the Wisco Sports Show going after this update. And they give you the tools to be your own boss. I like the idea of thinking of Quay Walker as an independent contractor at Ed Rusher. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. love all of the Rams hate and the criticism of the Rams note booms dealing with an injury on the O-line I mean that offensive line is thin Woo! Woo, thin oh boy lack of draft picks you know coming up through the ranks I wonder if Bobby Wagner Allen Robinson and Bobby Wagner were their two additions this offseason I wonder how those additions end up working out for the Rams I really wish I could fast forward to the end of the season and know the impact that Allen Robinson is going to have. And Bobby Wagner, right? Because last night we saw Von Miller, who went to Buffalo, and the impact he made, and then the impact that Bobby Wagner made, which, I don't know, it's tougher to have an impact as an inside linebacker, which is why we typically refer to off-ball linebackers as more of a a non-luxury position. Or would they be a luxury position? Non-essential position, one that you don't want to spend premium resources on. Get the O-lineman, get the edge rusher, get the wide receiver. I just don't know what Allen Robinson's got left. He's been playing with really crummy quarterbacks for the last couple of years in Chicago. I don't really know what Allen Robinson's deal is. 
I'm just really happy that the Rams got whooped last night. After months in this offseason of telling me how the Rams were light years ahead and the way they're doing it is the smart way and Matthew Stafford was a Hall of Famer all along. Okay, yeah, sure. If you say so. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an awesome Friday. Week is wrapping up nicely. Got Badgers tomorrow. We act football back for week number two. Packers Vikings, of course, on Sunday. We're talking about it all. 608-796-2558. You can give me a call. Mike is in Windsor. Mike, what's going on? Happy Friday. Happy Friday, Grant. I'm actually uh, downtown Madison right now. Nice. Um, but uh, they're dissing you on the zone, man. They're saying, stay with us, stay with us. Grant's doing his thing, but you got to stay with us on 1670. So I had to, I had to let you know that. Well, what? Um, so... Uh, where where are they again? Your, uh, where are they? They're at um. They're at they're at Pooley's. Pooley's, that's right. Yeah, if you're out and about, go see Ebo and Rowdy at Pooley's, and you can you know debate who the backup quarterback for the Badgers is this year. That sounds electric. I would rather listen to that too. <laughs> All right, I had to. Sorry about that. Yeah, you can you can go to Pooley's. They got two dollar and fifty drafts. That's their big that's their big thing. Oh, that does sound really good. Ben told me to swing through Madison tonight. I'm like, dude, I would love to because I'm going to Milwaukee for this week. I'm going to the Brewer game. But I can't leave lacrosse until six. Like I can't get there at a reasonable Grant, hour. So, Grant, you're going to the you're going to the Brewer game on opening weekend. Yeah, it's look, it's not. It's Let's not, talk about this. Let's talk about this. They're, are they still eight and a half back in the division? Yes, but I've, I I have conceded the division. I'm all in on the wild card. I actually want the Cardinals to win the division by as many games as possible. I want them to run away with it, so then they get complacent. That, that's my goal. And then the Brewers, who fight tooth and nail for that last wild card spot, they're basically in playoff mode already by the time the playoffs start. Okay. And then they okay. steamroll through the Cardinals, who've gotten fat and happy, you know, cruising to an easy division win. The, so, so the word fanatic is really coming out in your voice right now. Well, it doesn't make I sense, really, you know, but, I, I, you know, make it work in my own head. I like it. <laughs> I like it. It's all right. You're, you're, a, you're a big fan. I love it. Um, and it is bobblehead day, I believe. So um, let's see. I just I wanted to say your last uh, your last interview. Who's that? Uh, Caller Matthew Caller. Oh my gosh! It, it's like finally a freaking uh, uh, Vikings fan that maybe like understands life alone. I I I can't believe that he brought up exactly what I was thinking about during that interview. I was just thinking like the whole the whole argument right now with the Packers is. Okay, well, they lost their weapons. Well, they lost a receiver. Yeah. And they lost Scantlin, too, right? Yeah. But we're talking – my whole thing that I was looking at today is I really, really looked at that Arizona game last year on Thursday Night Football um, that they had. They didn't have Adams. They didn't have Scantlin. I'm Bakhtiari. They, they were down tons of people. And everyone just wants to doubt Aaron Rodgers. Why? Yeah. I mean, he's, the MVP, he's the MVP for a reason. I mean, the guy is going to do more with nothing than Kirk Cousins is going to do with eight weapons. Well, that's the thing. We're, we're, we're doubting Aaron Rodgers, and we're looking for reasons to hype up Kirk Cousins, which, look, Kirk is right, fine, right. and the Vikings roster is fine, and I think this new coach will be better than Zimmer for sure, even if it takes some time. But I just – why well, in Matthew, the year of our Lord 2022, why are we going out of our way to try to build up Kirk Cousins and convince ourselves yes. that he's going to win a bunch of games? Why is the national media finding every 
ounce of energy to work up Kirk Cousins. This is going to be his MVP yeah. year. This is going to be his best year in the, in, uh, <laughs> in the National Football League. Yeah. I just can't. I can't. I mean, he's won one playoff game in 10 years. I mean, what, I don't know what we expect out of this guy. Um, it, as Matthew perfectly stated out, he's worked with well-renowned coaches um, that we all um, respect and, and consider to be the best coaches in the NFL, right? Well, nothing's going to shake this guy. Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins. I, I, I'm just, yeah, I'm sick of the narrative. I, I agree with you. I, and I know this really sounds like a fan trying to rationalize something. If Alan Lazard doesn't play this weekend, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not that worried about it because in the past, when LaFleur and Rogers are put under the gun to come up with a game plan, even on a short week in Arizona or in a hostile environment like Minnesota, when LaFleur and Rogers have to put together a specific game plan to overcome for a, an issue, right? And if they don't have Lazard, Jenkins, or Bakhtiari, like, they're really under the gun, right? And I, I think yeah. that that focuses Rodgers. I think Rodgers has a tendency sometimes to go out there and to just kind of be very easygoing and to take the game as it comes to him, and that's fine, but sometimes I, I really like when he is following a game plan to a T and really executing this throw at this time, and sometimes when they're under the gun and, and they're up against it because of the loss of a certain player, it really brings out the best in Rodgers in the floor, and I guess that's my hope for Sunday. I, I agree, and I think I think everyone can agree that Rodgers plays better when he gets doubted. I, anyone anyone can agree to that because he gets he gets doubted. I, I feel like, you know, four five weeks a year, yeah. And he always goes out and throws four five touchdowns, three hundred yards. I mean, it's just insane. So, um, or he just finds a way to win, like he did against Arizona, right? Or the yeah. defense, Russell Douglas comes up with an amazing play at the end of the game. Um, I think that everyone is really really underplaying this defense, even though they say it's, you know, the best defense they've seen in Green Bay in so many years, they're still underplaying this defense because what Matthew perfectly pointed out is Cousins hates pressure. He does not do well under pressure, and it, it's very, very evident via the stats. So I, I'm so excited to see this game Sunday because everyone is talking about how great the Vikings are going to be and how they're going to steal the NFC North, and I think Aaron's going to put on a show. I hope so. I hope so. Mike, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the Badger game and the Packers game. And look, if you want to go to Pooley's yep. and hang out with those guys and listen to that show, it's it's fine. <laughs> oh, I'm not doing it, Grant. <laughs> I'm not doing it. All right, go Badgers, go Pack. Yeah, I appreciate the call. Have a good one, Mike. Uh, that's Mike in Windsor, but today occupying some space, it sounds like, in downtown Madison. Yeah, so Ebo and Rowdy got their own Friday night show now from 4 to 6, which is on our Madison affiliate, The Zone, uh, which is fine. If you want to listen to that show, go listen to that show. It's all we're all a big team here, right? It's it's like it's like Aaron Rodgers throwing touchdowns, right? Alan Lazard on one side, MVS on the other, Robert Tunyon. It's like they're we're all going to the same score column, guys. Even if you you know if you own a different guy in fantasy, it's it's fine. We're all on the same team here. If you want to go have a beer with uh, Poolies and listen to them talk about again, if you you know if you want to hear about the second and third string you know inside linebackers for the Badgers football team as they prepare to play Washington State. Can you name a single player on Washington State? If that's your thing, go go ahead. I know that sounds like a slight. I'm being genuine. <laughs> 608-796-2558. Mike and Eau Claire wanted the link to the K-Fan video. Yeah, they put out a video talking about what they hate most about the Green Bay Packers. That color green? 
reminds me of the vomit emoji. You have the worst colors in all of professional sports. It's like some awful combination of hangover vomit and hangover explosive diarrhea. Adults think it's cool to wear cheese wedges on their head. Walk in your own town, airports. It's embarrassing. That annoying fan base. Go Pack Go chant is annoying. There's not enough whiteboard here to even get into that. There are people that spend money on a piece of paper to call themselves owners. Damn straight. quarterbacks. Man, Aaron Rodgers, hard to like that guy. It's neither green nor a bay. Disgust. Just an absolute hottie wearing a Vikings jersey, and she's there with a Packer fan. He's not that attractive. But they have better cheese curds than we do. What I hate about the Packers, everything. It's the Packers. What's to like? The Green Bay Packers suck. That's fair. I don't really understand the woman who says it's not a bay. It's definitely a... You own a, you own a map? Is there not a map in the game? In the K-Fan studio. I love the guy who said the uh, the cheese heads, they look stupid. Well, yeah, and being a grown man and wearing the jersey of your favorite team, that doesn't look stupid. The, the one guy said, uh, you know, you see him wearing out around town or in the airport. I All right, I will plead guilty here. The last time I went to the airport, I accidentally wore my cheese head, and it was embarrassing. I felt like an idiot. Nobody wears their cheese head to the airport, man. Great TikTok, though. Really good content. Let's go to the phones, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Duck and Holman. Duck and Holman. Oh, long-time texter, first-time caller. Duck, what's going on? I was just really shocked by that K-Fan thing. It's crummy. It's crummy, isn't it? Oh, the, no, color, no, the color green really gets me going, says Paul Allen. Well, I was just shocked they know their colors. <laughs> nice. Well done, Duck. Yeah, I the, the woman who said, "Oh, it's not green or a bay. It's, like, it's definitely a bay." What kind of? There's water right there. There's a bay. You can see it on a map. Well, purple's not the most attractive color either. I mean, <laughs> Whatever. It's, Prince Prince could do it. But yeah, no. yeah. That's yeah. no. I, I agree with that. I I don't know. If I asked you, what's the thing you hate most about the Vikings? What would you say? Um, not a lot because they're not allowed on boats anymore, and. uh you know, slapping peepees with a stick, and Cousins yeah. is Cousins. Woodson said it, you know, on yeah. Cutler. It's the same thing with him. He's going to throw you us know. a couple. Yeah, just a few. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, my God. So do you have a prediction for Packers-Vikings on Sunday? Yeah, I'm going 20-21 Green Bay. All right. I mean, you can't stop Rodgers. Cousins is he's interception prone. Yeah, he'll throw us a few. Uh, ben Kenny was also throwing this around on the Bill Michaels show today earlier. I like this. Do you think Zadarius Smith will have any sacks? What do you, what, what do you think he does? Depends on who's in there. Um, sure. That was an over and under of one, right? Yeah, which is weird. Which is weird. Um, I would set it at a half. Like, do you think he has a sack? Right. Again, very different situation if Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari are playing. Right. So you'll give him one. I'll give him one. I think I'll give him one, too. And... It could be the most inconsequential sack ever. You know the celebration for it is going to be quite over the top. Oh, big time. It'll yeah, be... well. <laughs> I wish it was still the roller dome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <awesome. laughs> Packers headed to the Metrodome this weekend. All right, Duck, I'll let you go. Have an awesome weekend. All right, thanks, Grant. Bye. Yeah, that's our friend Duck in Holman. Duck, I haven't got a text from you in forever. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 608-796-2558. The Zadarius Smith thing is interesting, and I wish I could 
ask Tyler Dunn about this. Tyler joined us a week ago on Friday. If you missed that conversation, it was awesome. I love Tyler. We've really been blessed with some great football guests the last two weeks, which was my goal, by the way. Like, I, I was trying to, like, let's let's really have a great stretch here. We had Tyler Dunn, who's always great, Eric Eager last week, and uh, Matthew Collar today as well. JT O'Sullivan joined the afternoon show earlier. Uh, I'll play that inter for you, interview for you coming up here in about 15 minutes. He was great. Uh, Danny Heifetz was the one that fell through the cracks. We were going to get him, and then something came up, and he said, hit me up in a couple of weeks. So we will get our guy Danny Heifetz. We normally get him once a year, twice a year from the ringer. He's one of my favorite football people. Uh, so at some point, we're going to get him as well. Eric on I-90 has given me a call. Eric, you called Bill's show today and, and really made some waves with your mac and cheese analogy. Did I make waves? Well, in the best way. I mean, everyone was was a Twitter with your uh, with your amazing analogy skills and your food takes. Well, was it, was it correct? I think you were correct. Yeah. I, I think... What did you, who did you compare to mac and cheese? The Brewers or the what did you say again? The Brewers. The Brewers are That's like right. a, they're like a bad batch of macaroni craft. Yeah, craft macaroni and cheese. Like they just put the powder and some water in there. All the ingredients. They didn't have milk and yeah, all the ingredients are there, but it's just not coming together the way that it should. No, 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 no. The the Brewers management took away the butter and the milk when they got rid of Oh, hands. yeah, there you go. There they you just go. got water. Yeah, that's a good point. And they're just like, all your noodles are still good. You got a bunch of noodles that are good. Yeah. But they're not sticking together. It's still not the same. Yeah, I agree with you. Eric, I, I almost forgot. I didn't realize. You are one of our resident Vikings fans. We have a few. Uh, I think of Dean and lacrosse yep. as well. Maybe we'll hear from him today. And one of our Scots, I know, is a Vikings fan. What are you feeling going into this weekend? We've been talking about this game for a couple of days now. What, what is your, your final word of wisdom for us? I'm not mentally prepared for the game. I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm, I'm eager. I, I can't wait for it to start, but I'm dreading it. Yeah. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm hoping it's – listen, we got a 50-50 chance every year because we both split every year. Yep. You know? Um. You know that call you had on the the Vikings? Uh, yes. Caller, not because uh, the analyst. What was his name? Matthew Caller, Purple Insider. Matthew Caller. You know everything he said was right. Yeah. Everything he said was right. It's a little bit unfair to judge Kirk Cousins on pressure throws because. You got a large sample size of pressure throws. Yeah, and look, right? every every quarterback does worse when they're pressured. Like that's just a that's a matter of and nature in football. That's like that's like judging Aaron Rodgers on playoff losses. I mean, he's getting up there, right? Yeah, the, the numbers are piling up, Eric. We have more evidence every year. Well, I mean, it's it's almost like if he could lose two playoff games in one year, he would, but he can't. <laughs> But I don't know about that. <laughs> all, all that being said, yeah. Um, so you have that. They had that video on. You know, that's not really my game. Um, I think that the thing I hate worse about the Packers than anything is Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> that would be the guy I hate the most. Oh my god! Did you god. listen to him last night? I did, and I, I don't. I, I don't know if you picked up on this. At one point, they compared Josh Allen to Tom Brady, and at another point, they compared him to Peyton Manning. What kind of 
it's like he goes into this man. I mean, it's almost like he's sitting there twirling his hair and biting his lower lip. It's, it's, it's yeah. sickening. It's no. despicable. It's disgusting. But, I know. Yeah, it's disgusting. But I did get in a fantasy football league. I had Josh Allen last night. Woo. And boy, did he come through. Good for you, Aaron. And he was, right? I mean, he was, he did look like a, a man playing amongst boys, didn't he? Yeah. He stiff-armed a, a defender into the ground. And then when he when he stuck his arm and he extended the ball over the goal line, that was bananas. Right. I mean, he was, like, stiff-arming his own offensive lineman to get him out of there. Mm-hmm. Just throwing was, bodies everywhere. If, if, you, if you can picture him in the huddle, the play that he called, he's like, we're going to score. That's the play. Yep. Go. And, it's, and it was uh, unbelievable. Um yeah, he's a he's he's a superstar. He's a superstar. Darn he's straight. Far better than his opponent. Yeah. Last night. That I agree with. Matthew uh, Stafford. Eric, before I let you go, uh, I I actually want some advice from you. You spend a lot of time on I ninety, hence your name I do. and ninety four. I'm headed to Milwaukee after the show tonight because I'm going to the Brewer game this weekend and spending some time in the big city. I need to get gas on the way. Uh, do you have a recommendation for a particular exit or a rest stop? In my travels. You need to get gas. Yeah, and I don't yeah, want to well, do it. In t- I want to get, get some miles behind me before I do. Well, I get some miles behind you. Well, you know, I mean, don't outsmart yourself, you do. Just uh, when you feel like getting gas, get some gas. All right. Well, I didn't know if you had a you know a particular spot. I'd like some taco. No, there's too. no there's no secret spot. You know, Oakdale yeah. Oakdale Hardee's is really good in the morning, but you're not going to be going through there. I wouldn't recommend. It's going to Oakdale Hardy's at night because Oakdale Hardy's in the morning has got some really nice older ladies that work in there and they really know how to make breakfast. I bet. You know, but, you know, night, uh, who knows? You know, definitely go to a truck stop because truck stops are interesting just in themselves. That's true. Yeah, that's a good I mean, you're going to see some people with just macaroni and cheese all over their shirt. <laughs> yeah. And they're Probably wearing not. their sweatpants. Oh, my God. It's uh, it's interesting to go into a truck stop on any given day. All right, I, I will take your advice, and maybe I'll have to tweet a picture. Eric, I appreciate you. Enjoy Packers-Vikings. We'll talk about the game next week. Yeah, you too, bud. Have, have a good, good one. Weekend. You as well. That is our friend Eric on I-90, who made waves on the Thrill Michael show earlier today by, uh, by making a mac and cheese analogy. We love that. Let's take a break. We'll talk for a couple more minutes, and then we're going to get to J.T. O'Sullivan former quarterback for the Packers, and now does some awesome film breakdowns. He joined the afternoon show earlier today. I want to play that in for you. Coming up. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. On Twitter, at Wisco Grant, Cody tweets in. Says, at Wisco Grant, do you trust more in cousins in primetime games or used cars? Hey, I'm a big used car guy. Okay, my car's 20 years old. She purrs down I-90 and I-94. I'll drive this thing for another five years. I'll drive it. I'll drive it till it's 30 years old if she lets me. So I'd say I trust used cars. Uh, Kirk, Kirk Cousins. Look, I, I feel like sometimes we we dump on Kirk Cousins too much. 
Kirk Cousins is fine. He's good. The problem is when you pay him a bunch of money, leads to complications. And I think people sometimes make fun of Kirk Cousins. He's a little bit of a butt of a joke just because he's kind of weird, which is why I think it's insane that anyone would pick him to win MVP. Like, did you see what Josh Allen did last night? Big, strong, beast of a man, stiff-arming defenders, reaching over the goal line. Kirk Cousins could throw for a bunch of yards and a bunch of touchdowns, and he's never going to look like that. He's never going to dominate your TV screen in that way. Thank you for the tweet, Cody. You can text to call the show, 608-796-2558. Dave is in Middleton. Dave, what's going up? Well, Dave is in your uh, neck of the woods listening to you on the mighty KTY today. Well, welcome. Well, what what business do you have over here? Not that it's any of my business, but. A new job. Oh, mazel tov. So I'm going to get up in your neck of the woods a little bit and figured I've got a little time today and I'd uh, give you a holler. I love that, Dave. Well, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about the Packers or the Vikings or whatever it is we're talking about? How's all this landing with you? Well, I think uh, the Vikings are a lot like uh, Eric on a 90s. Lots of talk, but uh, no results. <laughs> it doesn't always make a whole lot of sense either, right? Nope. Right. That's funny. I don't know why the national media, The I hate saying national media because it, it makes me sound like, you know, I, I don't like saying that. But a lot of the big Sports talkers this offseason just made the Vikings their team. They're my sleeper team. They're my surprise team. It's just, I don't know. Of all the the, the uh, baskets to put your eggs in, the Kirk Cousins Vikings basket, I feel like we've done that before. I feel like we've seen this movie before. I don't expect it to be much different. Well, they're trying to sell their product and their shows and sure. make a controversial statement. I read something a couple days ago on Yahoo Sports that a lot of the um, – pundits who don't have uh, TV shows such as, well, Peter King, I believe he does, but he's mostly a writer. Mm -hmm. They're picking a lot of them, the Packers, to get to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Well, look, I think a lot of people are picking the Vikings this weekend. I don't know that this weekend means anything. You look back over the years, look at week one. I don't know that week one means much of anything. The Vikings could very well win this weekend. I just don't know big picture that they're all of a sudden going to set the world on fire and win 13 games this year. I think you're absolutely right. All right. I'm glad we can agree on that. I'd, I'd, I'd like the, the Packers to come out with a win, but if they come out and show strong, uh, that'll do it for me. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, and then start to get healthier, get some of your offensive linemen back. I'm with you, Dave. All right. Well, now that you're over here in lacrosse, you got any plans for the weekend? Well, what's going on? Well, I'm going back to Middleton tonight. It's uh, just uh, my job. So, yeah. but uh, I'll be up here in the future and uh, haven't been over to this side of the state for a long time. It's, it's beautiful. Oh, isn't it? Oh, it's so beautiful. Well, we're lucky to have you, Dave. And anytime you're in town, uh, welcome to town. We're happy to have you. Thanks for the call. Have an awesome weekend. You too. That is Dave in Middleton. However, Dave in Middleton is in lacrosse today. I love that we're so detailed about where we are. I don't know how it started. I first noticed it when we had a couple of listeners move this spring. And they corrected me like Schmidt on the north side became St. Paul Schmidt. And he didn't submit a form for the name change, but he might as well have because it was very formal. And then we had Mike in downtown Madison became Mike in Windsor. And then Eric on I-90 will call in and say, well, actually, I'm on 94. And I'm like, well, actually, that's not the point of what we're doing here, but I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're specific. I don't know what it is. Yeah, if you look back over the years at week one, week one really never tells the story. Really ever at all. 2014. 
That was the year the Packers should have made the Super Bowl. They lost the uh, the the Seahawks in Week One, and then they lost. Was it the Lions or the Bears? The next week, barely scrounged one out over the Jets. Like the early season is a lot of noise. I was watching First Things First this afternoon with Nick Wright and Kevin Wilds and Greg Jennings was there. I guess he was opening his mouth, wasn't saying a whole lot. Um, and Kevin Wilds went through all of the seasons that Tom Brady won the Super Bowl and looked at what happened in Week One. Sometimes he didn't play. Most of the time they lost. Wasn't always pretty. The Vikings could very well win this week, and I picked the Vikings to win. Not that that means anything. The Vikings could very well win. I just don't think it means that all of a sudden, the rest of the season, the Vikings are going to take the NFC North. Like, I, I saw this tweet from Tom, uh, Tom Silverstein a couple of days ago, and I saved it. I want to read you the headline. It says, Rodgers may be vacating the Iron Throne quicker than anticipated. How national writers and odds makers are picking the Packers-Vikings game. You see the disconnect here? You can pick the Vikings to win, but then we don't have to blow it up into the North will now run through Minnesota. Like, that's not really how this works. Like, week one is week one. It very rarely paints an accurate picture of what the rest of the season will look like. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's the NFC North. We've seen this movie a bunch of times. Okay. Let's take a break. We'll hear from JT O'Sullivan. He joined me and Ben Kenny this afternoon. It was an awesome interview, and I want to share it with you again. He'll join the Wisco Sports Show coming up in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Appreciate y'all hanging out. Hit me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I'm going to step to the side here for a few minutes and play you a conversation that Ben Kenny and myself had with a new friend of the show, new friend of the network, J.T. O'Sullivan, who joined the Bill Michaels show earlier today. We asked him some quarterback questions last night, Packers, Vikings, NFC North, and some college football questions as well. We didn't get into the weeds on Graham Mertz. I should shoot. I should have asked him about Deacon Hill. How about his arm strength, huh? I can throw the ball really far. Shoot, missed opportunity. Should have asked him about that. Here's our conversation from earlier today. He is JT O'Sullivan. JT, happy football Friday, man. Thanks for joining us. Fellas, I'm excited. This is it. We're here. We made it. Yeah. So uh, last night, the Rams fall woefully short against the Buffalo Bills. I just, I, I don't love the drastic overreaction when it comes to those games, but I have to ask. Like, there is something with quarterbacks reaching a point in their career where they're no longer a certain upper echelon. Is it too drastic to say that we saw signs from Matt Stafford last night along those lines? Uh, it probably is too drastic. The other thing that I would add to that is that we see that kind of age limit thing being pushed back. Right. You know, more than anything else, for, for a number of different reasons, whether how people are taking care of their bodies or just the rules set up to protect quarterbacks. I think all of those things go into it. But, yeah, it's an it's a overreaction. You know, there's probably going to be less no-look passes in Stafford's future. But, I mean, <laughs> other than that, I expect the Rams to be really good and Josh Allen to be probably even better. It helps to have Cooper Cup, too. Seems, even though the game wasn't going well for the Rams, anytime he was going to Cooper Cup, it just seemed to work out well. I want to ask you about Josh Allen. I saw a tweet last night. I don't know who it was. Um, I got to go back and find it. Who basically just said, so Josh Allen is going to be MVP Cam Newton all the time. And I was like, wow, that's, I never really thought of it that way. What do you think of Josh Allen, his progression and, you know, the quarterback he's become now? Cause I, I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback quite like him. 
Yeah, I'm, I don't know if I necessarily love the Cam Newton analogy. I, I, I mean, there are certainly elements of his game that look like that. I think he's a significantly better passer. And, yeah. and the thing that I think is crazy with Josh Allen and the thing that everybody goes back to is just the, the improvement that he's made and the, the, the accuracy element of it. You just don't see quarterbacks, or we haven't up until this point, seen quarterbacks make that drastic of improvement as quickly as he has and be able to sustain it seemingly for a few years now. And so if he continues to improve, if, you know, he stays healthy playing the way he plays, uh, I mean, he's just going to light the league on fire. I think he already is lighting the league on fire, and it seems like the, the roster is, is right there with him ready to go. JT O'Sullivan joining us uh, at QB School on Twitter to find all of his good content there. I want to switch to the Packers, and this is obviously a question that we would all love to know the answer to because then it would make us very wealthy and and, uh, affluent in the world. But when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, like this is what, year 13, year 14 in the NFL, how are him and Brady and all of the quarterbacks, you mentioned pushing back that age bar. How are these guys still so effective at this age? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure that there will be some 30s for 30s at some point about this topic. Uh, I, I personally have no idea how they're doing it. I can barely, uh, you know, I know how I feel in my early 40s, and I can't imagine <laughs> uh, playing, let alone playing at the level that those guys are playing at. That's the other thing that I think is crazy is just the level that, both those guys are playing at it's uh it's so impressive on so many different levels and you just you you know it's so great for the game also you're i always say we're in this kind of sweet spot with quarterback play where we've got these guys who are on the tail end that are still playing playing really well and then we've got these young playmakers that seem to be you know almost redefining what the position looks like and so it's just this sweet time to appreciate the position have you seen Rodgers and Brady, I guess, have you seen like mechanical changes or just general changes to their play? Or is it just they're so good and they've learned how to stay atop the mountain even into their uh, you know 40s? I, I think probably both of them have evolved a little bit as far as how they play. I, I think Tom Brady's a fascinating you know, long, it's really turning, it's not really a case study. It's almost like a longitudinal study about his career and his mechanics and how he's improved and where he's spent his time getting better and just look at the arc of his career. It, it's been pretty fascinating. I love watching him play just because I think he's so polished. You know, every, there's, there's so little wasted movement. He's got such a great throwing stroke. It's so fluid and, and kind of balanced as opposed to a, a guy like Aaron, who I think of as more, uh, probably almost harder to be able to do what he does at an older age just because of the torque and violence that he that he throws with i mean it's just so it's so rotational and there's so much force generated in damn near every throw that he makes it's uh you've got to put a real wear and tear on your body i know he's had knee issues and different issues but you know he's just such a rotational guy with that unbelievable torque and can just spin it and you can almost hear the revolutions on the ball uh, you know, through the TV, the guy throws it so hard. It's been so impressive to watch. It's just kind of fascinating. That And the other thing with Aaron is who he's doing it with. You know, it'll be fun to see this year. I, I think people are really kind of uh, overreacting to the fact that, you know, he's he's going to be fine. Like, I, I imagine him being fine. Like, he's Aaron Rodgers. Like, they're, he's still going to be able to put the ball wherever he wants, whenever he wants. Now, it might not be to the one of, if not the best receiver in the league, but he's going to be fine. JT, do you think a situation with 
young and unfamiliar wide receivers. And then with the Packers, too, we're not really sure what their offensive line is going to look like going into a hostile environment in Minnesota. Is there a is there sometimes a tendency for quarterbacks, especially ones that are older and more experienced like Rodgers, to almost be grounded a bit when they're up against the wall? Like I think of that game they played in Arizona last year where all the wide receivers had COVID and they were on a short week and, and it almost forced Rodgers in the floor to tighten it up and almost get back to basics, which I think can be good sometimes. Do you think there's a grounding element to uncertainty with wide receivers with a line? Do you think it kind of centers Rodgers and forces him to dial in a little bit? I'm sure there's an element of kind of a refocusing. You know, I don't know necessarily know if you can get more dialed in playing NFL quarterback. But, you know, just kind of a refocusing on how we're going to play the game. And I think it'll be hard for everybody to not overreact, you know, if if this thing doesn't go their way this weekend against a really good Vikings team on the road, you know, those types of things. But I really feel like over the course of a season, you'll see them find their sweet spot and be able to still continue to showcase what Aaron does as well, if not better than anybody who's ever done it in the league. And that's just throw it wherever he wants, whenever he wants, and protect the ball at such a great level that just going to always give them a chance to be really good. So I see up on YouTube you have some breakdowns of what Jordan Love looked like when you saw him in the preseason this year. I know it's not the biggest storyline for the Packers this season, or hopefully it doesn't become. But what have you seen, and is there or was there a big jump made from Love? I mean, you know, it's hard to get any sort of really conclusive uh, evidence coming out of the preseason. I, I will say that it's great for him to get the work, the reps. I, I didn't necessarily see anything that would, that would classify as like a significant or massive jump moving forward. I still think there are, you know, significant, not significant, substantial potential holes in his game and how he plays right now. And there's really no way to get over those or around those until you play meaningful snaps and so unfortunately that's going to mean you know something that has to happen to Aaron Rodgers for him to get that opportunity but you know up until that point I don't think there's anything necessarily to throw your arms up and say hey there's massive concerns I would say that you know as far as him being the backup but as far as him kind of showcasing what a round one first round pick looks like in the NFL and go out there and compete with the guys who are his age in the NFL that are starters yeah, you know, it, he's in that kind of muddy area where it's just going to take him going out there and doing it in regular season games when it's on the line and playing at a really high level. And there's nothing that I've seen in the preseason tape that makes me think that that's a guarantee. Two guys from the draft a year ago, Trey Lance at the top and Justin Fields now in the Bears. I saw you had a Justin Fields breakdown. What are your expectations and what have you seen in the development, at least in the preseason of, of Justin Fields? And what do you think about how Trey Lance might look with the Niners. Do you have a Trey Lance take? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, again, it's, it's really hard to take anything meaningful from these preseason stats. I know I do the videos, and I, I think that there are elements that you can see potentially as far as development, whether it be sure. getting through progressions, whether it can be, you know, maybe mechanics or just throws. But as far as the body of evidence that a regular season will look like, you know, I don't think it's anybody's surprise that Chicago's probably not going to be great this year. And what that comes with some significant struggles for the quarterback. And so just looking for him to be able to control what he can control, continue to get better, continue to show flashes, big play flashes, whether it's with his arm, driving the ball down the field, whether it's with his legs, whether it's with the quarterback run game, you know, whether it's then becoming maybe a, a surprise team in the league that has kind of a better than expected outcome across the board. 
Uh, I think that's where I'm at with Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields is a really special talent. I think he's got an opportunity to be really good. I don't think I hide that on the channel. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, from the Trey Lance standpoint, just a really unique situation where you get an opportunity to be a the franchise gives up so much to get you. You get an opportunity to sit. Now you're inserted to play with a really good roster with a coach that a lot of people around the league think is one of the you know great play caller schemers to go in there and just have this unbelievable opportunity. Unfortunately, the reality is is that he just hasn't played a lot of football up until this time. So I think that I think that there's a great chance that he's going to come out and just you know play really well and have this offense tailored for what he can do really well. It will look a little bit different, in my opinion, from what we've seen from the 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo up until this point, just because he does have the capacity to drive the ball down the field, drive the ball outside the numbers, run, use his feet as a little bit more playmaker, quarterback run. Now, I think it'll be interesting to see you know, what Shanahan decides to do, because I always think of uh, RG3, Kyle Shanahan together, that one rookie year where he was healthy for a little bit, and really lit the league on fire as far as being a playmaker, using RG3 all over the place. You know, I don't, I don't expect him to do that right out of the gate, although he could because he feels really good with Garoppolo being the backup. But I imagine, you know, after maybe a month of the season, we'll be able to see exactly how they want to use him in the quarterback run game at the, at the goal line, in the red area, short yardage, and the ability to stretch the ball down the field because Shanahan does such a great job with the play action and the shots looking just like the run game. You guys know just watching the same type of offense in Green Bay, you know, when you can mirror that, give yourself a great opportunity for big plays down the field now that you can stretch it with uh, Trey Lance's arm. Last one uh, before we let you go. I want to switch to the college game quickly, kind of along the same lines as Fields and Lance. But when watching the college game and the young quarterbacks that could be coming out in the future, are there any specifically that that have caught your eye? I mean, there's a bunch of them that have caught my eye. There there are some great quarterbacks in the pipeline. And uh, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what it looks like, who's going to be necessarily picking that high in the draft. But the guy that I love, but just enjoy watching spin the ball the most is, you know, Bryce Young. There's no, in my opinion, there's nobody who necessarily is as fluid, is as smooth as Bryce Young. And then just kind of seeing what Alabama will be this year, if, they, if their identity is a little bit different than maybe what we've seen in the past, if they're trying to go back to a little bit of how they used to play and taking advantage of what Bryce Young can do throwing the ball. It's a, it's a pretty special time to uh, appreciate college quarterbacks. Awesome. Awesome stuff, JT. Really appreciate the time, and we'll check in again down the road. All right, fellas. Take care. Listen to Ben Kenny facilitate that that interview. What a host. A true host, a natural host. And I appreciate Ben for inviting me on and letting me crash the Bill Michael show for a couple of hours today. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, final segment for the week. Fins up! It's Friday! I just tweeted out a Jimmy Buffett song, as I do every Friday around this time, at Wisco Grant. Uh, Tonight, the selection is off of the 1983 album, One Particular Harbor. We Are the People Our Parents Warned Us About. Fantastic song. Catchy, bouncy. 
Just what you want is you grab a light beer or a margarita, maybe a Bud Light Lime, which as we discussed last week when we talked about beers, and we assigned each NFL team a beer. Bud Light Lime, great Friday after work beer. Just one, all you need. Good with chips and salsa. Go good with dinner. I will not be having a fancy home-cooked dinner tonight. I'm going to hammer Taco Bell in my car like an animal. <laughs> like an animal. <laughs> I got advice from Eric on I-90 to uh, <laughs> to go to a truck stop because it's always an interesting time and you never know what you're going to see. He suggested the loves in Oakdale right off 94 because the ladies in the morning know how to make a really good breakfast. He said at night it's a little more hit and miss. Okay. One serious sports thing I want to talk about, and it's something that we should think about with our Packers as we go into week one and they play the Vikings 325 on Sunday. I was watching the Bills last night, paying attention to this defensive line. And we've seen this with the Niners. We've had some great defensive fronts over the years. Uh, And obviously the Eagles in 2018, a lot of championship caliber teams have great defensive lines. It's a common theme you see in really elite football teams. Last night, I'm watching the Bills, and yeah, they brought in Von Miller in the offseason, but A.J. Epinesa, who's an upper draft pick from Iowa, Gregory Rousseau, or Rosso, I don't know how you say it, from Miami, Ed Oliver, of course, who they took out of Houston in 2019. The Bills have just been feeding that position little by little over the years, and it's amounted to a defensive front that can go into L.A. and sack Matthew Stafford, I don't know how many times they sacked him, without ever sending a blitz. And I don't think the Packers defensive front is this good. They certainly don't have a a collection of first-round picks or second-round picks the way that the Bills do. In the case, I think Epinesa was a second-round, but Russo and Ed Oliver, both first-round picks. Ed Oliver was ninth overall, right? And that started in 2019 when they just started feeding this position. The Packers defensive front with Kenny Clark, and then they brought in Reed. It's a nice rotational veteran. Dean Lowry, who's been there, done that. Devontae Wyatt, first-round pick, absolute blue chipper, right? They should keep feeding that position. Rashawn Gary, obviously, edge rusher. I wish maybe they would have taken another edge rusher in the draft, but then that means you don't either have Quay Walker or Devontae Wyatt or, you know, there's opportunity cost for all this stuff. If they had one other blue chipper on the defensive line, that means they have one less blue chipper in the secondary or on the offensive line or as a wide receiver, right? So it's, it's a give and take at all of these positions. But you saw with your own eyes last night in the NFL's first game, primetime TV, whole world is watching what a nasty defensive front can do how you can get after a quarterback and completely basically wreck a game you can wreck a game nothing else matters like whether your secondary can hold up coverage for three four seconds doesn't really matter as much whether you can tackle in the running game doesn't matter as much if your defensive line is winning at the line of scrimmage and getting a push and affecting the quarterback and affecting the offense man everything else gets a lot easier right Now, the Packers don't have all the blue chippers, and their defensive line certainly isn't uh, fed through the draft over the years. Like, Kenny Clark was picked in 2016, Devontae Wyatt just a couple months ago, and he's probably not going to add at a high level this year, at least not all the time. Like, Ed Oliver, they picked him in 2019, and I remember last year and the year before, just like, yeah, he's fine. You know, but maybe not what we expected with a top-10 pick. You have pretty high expectations, as we have with Rashawn Gary, and we should He should be racking up plays this year, should be getting a lot of sacks. That's what you expect of a top 10 pick. The Packers defensive front might not be the Buffalo Bills. It was certainly built differently, and it took longer to culminate, but I love the options they have up front. 
And I'd like to think that they could go into U.S. Bank this weekend and get after Kirk Cousins and harass and win at the line of scrimmage at a, at a level comparable, we hope, to what the Buffalo Bills did last night to L.A. We hope. I like the options up front. They can rotate them around, use them differently, some versatility, and hopefully that makes life easier for Sean Gary on the edge. I mean, look, Von Miller had a blast last night. You know what I mean? He had so much fun because he didn't have to do a whole lot. And ideally, Rashawn Gary doesn't have to do a whole lot. He just has to win his one-on-one, win his matchup, get to the quarterback. Hopefully, we're having a lot of meet-at-the-quarterback moments on Sunday. Enjoy the Badgers tomorrow. Enjoy the WIAC schedule, lest we forget about our Division Three football powerhouse in the state. And enjoy Packers-Vikings and the Brewers this weekend as well. I'll be back on Monday to talk about it all. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you Monday at 4.